0: We are called to walk by the Spirit, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the question is, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Well, to walk by the Spirit is really a metaphor. It means to prioritize or order your life after the things of the Holy Spirit. In other words, now that you and I are saved, we don't just sit around on our hands. We've got a job to do, and that is to keep in step and follow the Holy Spirit. We structure our lives and arrange our lives to do this very thing. A few verses later, down in verse 25, it says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This idea of keeping in step carries the idea of a soldier keeping in step with his battalion as they march. We've all seen those military parades where soldiers walk perfectly in stride with one another following the lead of their commander. Well, this same idea applies to you and me who believe the Holy Spirit is our commander, and we walk with him, and we keep in step with him, being careful not to fall out of line or to fall behind. But here's the, here's the key to all of this, and you're gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to hammer this home today. Folks, we are all walking somewhere. The question is, who is leading you and where are you headed? We're all walking somewhere. We're all trying to keep in step or keep pace with something or someone. The question is, where are you walking? Who's leading you? and where are you headed? So what we're going to do today is we are going to unpack a passage that I think is going to really bring that to light. Now, before we get to that passage, I can prove to you that we're all walking somewhere, because this call to walk by the Spirit is contrasted in the Bible with walking in the ways of the world. Listen to this, Colossians chapter 3. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked. See, we're all walking somewhere. The question is, who is leading you and where are you going? When you were living in them. The book of Ephesians says it this way, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, and I should have underlined this, once lived, we once walked and we once lived in this way, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind." It really comes down to this. We're all walking somewhere. The question is who is leading you and where you're headed? Where are you headed? So we're gonna unpack a passage today and it is Galatians chapter five. We're gonna begin in verse 16 and we're gonna go through verse 23. We're gonna walk line by line, verse by verse, right through this passage. So church, it is my honor to present to you the word of God this morning. Hear the word of God. But I say, walk by the Spirit. idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you know this verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things things there is no law. Amen. Church, may these words transform our lives today. So this section of scripture actually starts with highlighting one of the benefits of walking by the Spirit, which also proves to be one of the most important truths regarding this entire subject. And that is this, when we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Many Christians wonder, what's the secret to overcoming the flesh? Folks, there is no secret. If there is a secret, it's right there. Walk by the Spirit. That's the answer. Now, as I said earlier, walking by the Spirit is a metaphor. It means prioritize your life or order your life or arrange your life after the things of the Spirit. As we prioritize our lives around knowing, growing, and relying upon the Holy Spirit, the natural outcome will be overcoming the flesh. If there's something in your life that has always seemed to have a hold of you and you're like, how do I get rid of that? How do I break whatever that is? The answer is this, rely upon the Holy Spirit. And this really becomes the key. The key isn't trying harder, it's learning to walk consistently, prioritizing appropriately. Listen, the world that we live in is constantly pressuring you and me to prioritize the things of this world. It's constant. It's everywhere. We're so inundated in it, I don't even know that we recognize it because it's just so prevalent. It's everywhere we go. You and I are being pressured to make the things of this world our priority. But as believers, we cannot prioritize the things of this world and love the ways of this world and then act confused when we struggle to overcome the desires of the flesh. Now, my fear is that for many believers, and I mean most significantly myself, is that we see walking in the spirit like going to the gym. It's something we try to work into our busy schedules as we have time, right? How many of you went to the gym this week? Good Good for you. The healthy ones all went. The ones that aren't going to eat donuts later. We're going to, I saw all the hands that went up. If I see you eating donuts. No, actually, because you went to the gym, you get to eat donuts, so... But I do. I think we see going to uh, being walking by the Spirit. It's like going to the gym. It's it's something we try to work into our schedules as we have time. But once we get that workout in, it's back to what really matters. But folks, what really matters is that we seek, depend, submit, and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit at all times and in all ways. See, walking by the Spirit means that every situation you're in. I mean, every situation, every building you enter, every conversation you're in, no matter where you are, who you are with, and what you're doing, it is this. It is you and I saying, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done, and by your strength, I will overcome. When I put you first, and I walk, and I keep in step with you, Holy Spirit, I'm yielded to you, I will overcome. Theologian and Pastor John Owen said this. A man, listen to this quote, it's so good. A man may easier see without eyes, speak without a tongue, than truly mortify one sin without the Spirit. Folks, our only hope in a world that is constantly bearing down on us to gratify the flesh and make our lives and prioritize our lives around the things of this world, our only hope is God in us. Amen? Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us, strengthening us and driving us and training us and leading us to crucify the things of the flesh. Now this this leads to a related point as we go on through this passage, and that is this, you can't have it both ways when it comes to walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. Back to our passage, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Very next set of verses, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Simply put, folks, there is no common ground between the flesh and the spirit. They are mutually exclusive in every conceivable way, and I mean in every conceivable way. Said another way, believers cannot walk in the spirit and flirt with the flesh. They don't go hand in hand. They don't reside well in the same room or in the same heart or in the same mind. You cannot walk in the spirit and flirt with the flesh. So if for some crazy reason you think, well, I'm the one Christian that'll figure it out, even though they're mutually exclusive, they're opposed to one another, I'll figure out a way to have these two things in my life. I'll walk by the spirit and flirt with the flesh a little bit over here, and I'll be the one one Christian to figure it out in world history. No, you won't. This is very, very important, folks. You want to know what it means to walk by the Spirit? Walking by the Spirit is an all-in proposition. It is an all-in proposition. When the Bible says walk by the Spirit, it's not like consider this. It is do this. It is a command. And it's not that we just do this some of the time. We do it all of the time. Every conversation we're in, every building we walk into, no matter where we are, who we are with, and what we're doing, we are walking in the Spirit at all times and in all ways, yielding to Him. Now, of course no Christian is going to perfectly walk in the spirit. Not you, not me, not anyone. We are going to stumble and we're going to walk in the flesh and be selfish at times. And this is where the grace of God comes in. We are a God. We follow a God who's a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. So when you fall on your face, you get back up and you know that you are forgiven. But here's the point. While no one will ever perfectly walk by the Spirit at all times and in all ways. Nothing less than this is the standard for Christians at all times and in all ways. I could stop right now and ask you this, what is your standard? Is your standard to walk in the Spirit at all times and in all ways? Are you all in on that proposition? If you are a Christian and aren't 100% committed to walking by the Spirit at all times and in all ways, the first step is the most important step, which is simply this. Stop trying to have it both ways. Go all in. It starts here. It starts here. It's an all-in proposition. If you're going to walk by the Spirit, He's calling you, go all in. You're going to walk by me and with me yielded to me, not some of the time and some of the places, all of the time and all of the places. This is what I'm calling you to do. And by the way, this is the gospel that you have been called to. What did Jesus say to those that followed him or wanted to follow him? Jesus said, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. In other words, we can't be looking at the world and looking at the things of God and going, well, no, we're all in. I'm all in, Jesus, your Savior, your Lord. I'm all in, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to be your disciple. Holy Spirit, I'm yielded to you at all times and in all ways, no matter where I go, who I'm with or what I'm doing, I am yielded to you. Not my will, but yours be done and by your strength I will overcome. This is the call of the Christian. We are called, brace yourselves, to be radical people. This might mean making some big changes in your life even some tough ones. We all have to do these. We all have to look at our lives and go, is there an area, Holy Spirit, where I'm not keeping in step? I'm four steps behind. And quite honestly, I'm not sure I want to catch up because I don't know that I like where you're leading and how you're leading. See, t- it, we have to ask these tough questions. Is my heart all in on this proposition of walking in the Spirit? Now, here is where our passage goes on to teach us something very important about being led by the Spirit, especially given the times that we are living in, and that is this right here, folks. Walking by the Spirit, you'll know you're walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit always, I should have put the word always in there, always leads to greater conviction and less confusion. It always does. Specifically, about what is right and what is wrong. Why do I say that? Because this is what our passage says. Back to our passage. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. I mean, he's on a roll here and he keep, keep, could keep going and things like these. Let's just wrap it up and say that. I warn you, as I said before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, that is a warning to this generation that is flirting and doing these things as if God is in these things. God is not in these things. He has never been in these things. Everyone here knows full well that we are living in a world that is seeking to blur the lines between what is right and wrong. Are we not? As a matter of fact, the lines aren't just being blurred. They are being obliterated. They are being obliterated to where our parents and grandparents of previous generations would look at where we are today and it would be unrecognizable to them. Now, I can understand if the people of this world are confused about what is of God and what is of the flesh, and that is because the people of this world are not filled with the Spirit or being led by the Spirit. So I I can have some mercy there. I understand if you're the people of this world... The people of this world, this is gonna sound harsh, but I'm gonna circle back to this because this is a point we're gonna drive home real hard in just one second. The people of this world are under the spirit of this world, they are being led by the spirit of this age. And so I can understand that they are susceptible to calling that which is evil good and that which is good evil. However, what I find so interesting is how many churches and pastors and even people that call themselves Christians and who are supposedly walking by the Spirit are openly embracing that which God's Word says is clearly wrong. Of this you can be certain, folks. The pastor or church or Christian who claims to be walking by the Spirit but is openly embracing that which is carnal, fleshly, worldly, is not being led by the Holy Spirit, period, end of sentence. It is one of the hallmark ways that you will distinguish if somebody is being led by the Spirit. Those being led by the Spirit crucify the flesh. They flee the things of this world. The Spirit always leads us to greater holiness, greater conviction, not greater confusion. If you're in a church or in a ministry that is being carnal, fleshly, or worldly, at best, again I've said this before, at best you're in a church that is severely out of step with the Holy Spirit, at worst, They aren't a church that is being, they're a church that's being led by the spirit of the sage. Back to our Ephesians passage. This is going to, this is going to hit home. Nobody missed what I'm about to say. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Folks, the spirit of this world is not a neutral spirit. Folks, there are no neutral spirits. I hope you understand this. This is so critical. If you get nothing from my message, get this. It's not like there's heaven and hell and there's this neutral place called earth. There's no neutrality. There never has been. There never will be. There are the things of God and the things of this world, period, end of sentence. That's it. There's no Switzerland. There's no neutral ground. And you have to realize that because if you're thinking, well, there's some neutral place that I can go and it's neutral, it's free from all of this, it's not. It's not. There's no such place. Such a place doesn't exist. And that's important. You want to know why? Here's why. We're all walking somewhere. The question is this, who is leading you and where are you headed? You go, well, I'm just leading myself and I'm I'm kind of neutral. No, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. There's no neutrality. There's the spirit of this world, and there's the Holy Spirit. You're either being led by one or the other, period, end of sentence. I can prove this to you. Let me, let's contrast this in another way. You might remember that James talks about the wisdom that is from above and the wisdom that is from below. Now, there's wisdom from above and wisdom from below, and you go, well, maybe there's this middle ground where there's some neutral wisdom that isn't either really spiritual or really demonic, no, there is no middle or neutral wisdom, just as there are no middle or neutral spirits. What does James say? Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And this is the wisdom from that, that is from above. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. This is the wisdom from below. And how does he describe the wisdom from below? Here's how he does it. Earthly unspiritual, and demonic. If you're here today and have been under the impression that somehow there's neutrality in this world, there isn't. You are either led by the Spirit of God or you are being led by the Spirit of this age. The question is, we're all walking somewhere. Where are we headed? Who are we being led by? Now, do you want to know one of the great things that has happened As a result of all the moral confusion that has happened in our country in the last five to ten years. Believe it or not, good has come out of it. By the way, one side note here. I truly do believe that when all is said and done and we're in heaven and we're looking back on world history, we're going to see this time, the beginning of the 21st century, as one of the great sifting times of the church. There have been times in church history where God has sifted the church. It's gone through periods of peace, but then times of sifting. I have no doubt we're in a great time of sifting right now, and that's hard. It's hard if you're trying to be faithful, but it's helpful also if you're trying to be faithful, and here's why. It's clearly revealing those pastors, churches, and yes, individual Christians who are truly walking by the Holy Spirit and those that aren't. Walking by the Holy Spirit, by the way, isn't some existential thing that happens. You're walking by the Spirit when you're crucifying the flesh and you're walking in holiness. You see, it's forcing people right now, right here, to have to choose sides. And in case you have forgotten, just in case you've forgotten, there's only two sides. You're either going to be led by the Spirit to greater conviction about what God's Word says, and you're gonna be willing to stand there no matter the cost to you, or like you're seeing happen in churches and ministries and everywhere, people going to greater confusion. And by the way, what does the spirit of this age say? The spirit of this age is making, a, making it noble to go, to, to feign, well, we can't really know. Everybody's feigning, well, we can't really know the truth. And No, we can know the truth. So if you're around somebody that's going, well, I'm doing the, it's virtue signaling. I'm the noble one. I, I don't claim that we can stand on anything with too much conviction because we just don't know. Folks, that's not of the, that's not the word of God. The Spirit will not lead you to that sort of thinking. The Spirit always leads. The works of the flesh are evidence. They're clear. And for the one that's being led by the Spirit, there's going to be no doubt about what is holy and what is unholy, what is sacred and what is vain. The Spirit, the one, the man, the woman being led by the Spirit, will always be a person growing in their conviction. John 16 I started this sermon series in John 16. When he, the helper comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit. He brings conviction. He brings conviction. So where you see confusion or the nobility of let's just feign that this is just noble to not stand on any solid ground, don't buy it. Don't buy it for a minute. That's not what the spirit does. That's not where the spirit leads. I know for a fact, there are many people at this church today um, who were surprised over the past several years to find yourselves sitting in churches around the valley that had no conviction. Now, there there, there are faithful churches all over the valley just like this one. And it was during this last couple of years that those churches, people started coming to this church. And they're like, this... It's an oasis here. And of course, we're not the only ones. I'm not claiming we're the only ones. There are so many good churches around. But there's a lot of people that ended up sitting in churches that when the rubber hit the road, when the world started pressing in on the church, there wasn't greater conviction. There wasn't let's stand our ground and be solid in God's word. It was let's buckle, let's cave, let's find a way to find a middle ground. Folks, there is no middle ground. There is no Switzerland. There are the things of God and the things of this world. And again, if you get nothing, just take that from my message. There is no neutrality. There never has been. There never will be. The good thing was, the people in those churches that were walking by the Spirit, they saw crystal clear what was going on. They weren't deceived. The Spirit totally opened their eyes and led them exactly where they needed to go. Now, now, Let's forget about other people and other ministries for a second. Let's make this personal. You ready? Is there an area of your life where you are resisting the leading of the Holy Spirit with regard to what is right and wrong, biblically speaking? Let me give you a few ideas. Husbands, are you you loving your wives the way that the scriptures call you to love your wife, in faithfulness and holiness, to treat her with kindness, To lay down your life as Christ laid down the church for his bride. That's what your calling is. Husband loves your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ladies, are you submitting to your husband as unto the Lord, as the Bible says? Or are you being defiant? Are you always in your husband's face defying him at every step of the way? These are just two ways. Students that are in here, are you working honestly at school? Or are you cheating, taking shortcuts? Are you honoring God in what you're doing? Here's a tough one. I may step on some toes here. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter one, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. <laughs> Psalm 139 says, for you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I am shocked at how many people who call themselves Christians stand up and oppose abortion or, 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 pro, or pro-abortion. That's a tough one. Listen, folks, whatever you do, do not take your cues about what is right or wrong from your political party from your family, from your friends, or even from yourself, you take your cues from this, the Word of God. And the Spirit, if you're truly being led by the Spirit, He's going to always lead you to greater conviction about what is right and what is wrong. Now, um, it can be tough to submit yourself to what we know the Bible says is right. It's very tough. Just the the key is don't listen to the world because the world is not neutral. When you turn on the TV, tell yourself what I'm about to watch is not neutral. When you go to the movies, tell yourself what I'm about to watch. When you turn on the radio, what I'm about to hear, this is not neutral. There's no neutrality at all. If you are a Christian, what should burden you is not what your political party thinks, what your family thinks, or what even you think. What should burden you is keeping in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing of this you can be certain, the Spirit will always lead you in the direction of holiness, always. If you're ever wondering, where will the Spirit lead me today? The answer will always be, he'll be leading you in the direction of holiness and conviction and righteousness. And I'm gonna tell you right now, this is a side note. For those of you that are believers, you're gonna know this, that's where the freedom is. There's nothing like being just sold out to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm yours. It's scary as all get out to be there. But when you're sold out to the Lord and you're going, Lord, I'm submitting to you the best I can. I know I'm going to fail, but there's mercy when I do, but I'm sold out for you. I'm here. Folks, that's where the freedom is. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The most miserable people in all the world aren't unbelievers and they aren't Christians that are sold out. It's Christians that have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. They're the most miserable people you'll ever meet because they know better. The Spirit is convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment and they're ignoring it. They're four steps behind where they should be that they're not, they're not where they should be, not because the Holy Spirit's going too fast. Simply, they don't want to catch up. They don't want to be where the Holy Spirit is. The Spirit will always lead to greater conviction, not confusion. By the way, when I saw that picture, I had to use it because I think it's a perfect example of what's going on in our culture right now. Christians are at a crossroads, and they have to decide, am I going to go to the area of conviction, or am I going to side to the side of confusion. And it goes back to this simple point, folks. We are all walking somewhere. The question is who's leading you and where are you headed? Now this brings us back to our passage and I'm gonna begin to wrap things up here. This brings us back to our passage and what proves to be perhaps one of the clearest ways to identify someone who's walking by the Spirit and also proves to be one of the greatest benefits of walking by the Holy Spirit. And it is this, those who walk by the Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, everybody say it with me, ready? Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you ever needed an incentive to walk by the Spirit, folks, it's right here. Remember how earlier, those that walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the sinful, sinful nature. There's two benefits to walking by the Spirit, two key benefits. Number one is, not only will you overcome the flesh, but you will then produce that which is pleasing to God. My old seminary professor, Dr. Henry Holloman, he said it all the time, God cannot accept from you and will not accept from you what the Spirit doesn't produce through you. There's no neutrality. What you do in the flesh isn't pleasing to God. You understand that? Again, there's no neutrality. You're either producing fruit of the Spirit that is pleasing to God. If you're not, you're producing something that He will not accept. The Holy Spirit will only, God will only accept from you what the Holy Spirit produces through you. The Holy Spirit will produce through you godly qualities that will not only transform your life, but will be a blessing to everyone around you. But more importantly, the fruit you bear will bring glory to God. Literally, everybody wins When we walk by the Spirit, the world wins, our family wins, our companies win, our neighborhoods win when we walk by the Spirit. The greatest gift that you can give to your family is this, walk by the Spirit. The greatest gift that you can give to your husband, to your wife, kids, if you're in here, if you've got your parents, you want to know the greatest gift you can give to your parents? Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit more than they're walking by the Spirit and let them marvel at what they see in you. You will be like a tree that bears such good fruit that people will come far and wide just to taste of it. Psalm 1, I will delight in the law of the Lord, and I will meditate on it day and night, and then like a tree firmly planted, I will prosper in my time. You will be a tree that bears much fruit. The people who partake of the spiritual fruit that you produce will be nourished by it, healed by it, inspired by it, transformed by it, born again by it. Now, it doesn't mean that the people of this world will automatically love us, but there will be no denying what the Holy Spirit is producing through us. Consider this verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Now, I got a question for you. How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? If you're with a non-believer and you say this, hey, you need to taste and see that the Lord is good. He's amazing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And they say, well, how do I taste and see that the Lord is good? What will you say? Folks, one way that people will taste of the Lord will be by the fruit that you and I produce. And for some people, the only time they will taste of the Lord is when by God's grace, they cross your paths. It's been said that you will be the only Jesus pe- people ever meet. And that's true. You will be the only people, you will, you will be the only people that, that some people ever meet. Am I saying that right? I said that wrong. You will be the only people some people will ever meet. I don't think that's right. You will be the only Jesus some people will meet. Leave me, I don't, I don't want any comment cards on that one. But in the same way, folks, the only spiritual fruit some people will ever taste is the fruit that your life produces. Think about that. I'm going to tell you right now, as a pastor, a pastor of an older congregation, this church has historically been on the older side. I do a lot of funerals. I've done a ton of funerals in my day. And I will tell you right now, it is the spiritual fruit you bear that will be remembered in that day nobody cares how big your house was or how many you had or if you had a cabin or a boat. Nobody cared what your career was. These things might be mentioned, but I guarantee you they are being mentioned incidentally because people will, at your funeral, drive to what really matters, and that was what came out of this, your heart. What came out of this, your heart, and that goes back to what I've been saying, folks. It all goes back to this, we're all walking somewhere. There's no neutrality. The question is, who's leading you, and where are you headed? Today, I pray as a day, as we finish this sermon series on the Holy Spirit, that this might be a a new start of a new chapter for all of us, and even as a church, that we would yield ourselves more to the Holy Spirit in ways that we haven't, that we would submit to Him and not be afraid of where He's going to lead us. Many of us are afraid to follow the Holy Spirit with a heart that's all in because we're afraid he's going to lead us to greater holiness, and that scares me. And it probably should because we're so used to the dark. We're used to the shadows. It's like, let me lead you to the light. And it's like, I'm not sure I want to go there. It seems scary there. It seems bright there. By the way, I just read the greatest quote. This is a side note. I didn't share it in any of the other services, but I'm going to share it because it just popped into my head. So you ready? This is free for you all. <laughs> we walk out. We walk out. We're going to walk outside. The sun is 92 million miles away. And if you look at it, it burns your eyes. How much more do you think the glory of God is when you enter His presence? If you can't stare at a planet that's 92 million miles away for even one second, imagine how holy and good God is. Amen? The Bible says he exists in unapproachable light. He is a consuming fire. This is the God that we serve. And this is the Holy Spirit that will lead you into that light. Don't be afraid of the light. Submit yourself and say, Lord, I'm afraid to give up whatever this is. I've known it. I hate it, but I know it. And I don't want to give it up. Give it up. You'll never regret walking away from that which is in the darkness. Submit yourself, yield yourself, and see what happens. I finished with a simple question, and here it is. Where are you headed and who's leading you?